How's it going, Mystic? Oh, it's good. It's good. How are you doing? Not bad. Not bad. You gotta get a little closer to that, though. Uh, what's on the agenda tonight? Um, I don't know. I've just been playing music all day. Oh, and I haven't paused it. Sorry about that. And uh, just been playing music all day, hanging out at the store, and uh, having a good time. Right on. So how are you liking it, man? Like the evolving uh, birth of all of this. The evolving birth of all of this. Um, I'm loving it. I, I'm, I'm having a great time. I've had uh, some frustrations with technology over uh, the last week or well, so. Which are uh, largely rectified today, I take it? Uh, it seems like it. We've been broadcasting for three hours. Doesn't seem to be a whole lot of latency or anything like that. Right on, and right uh, yeah, it's looking pretty good so far. Right on. And we even we, we even have like a comment or two on Facebook. Oh really? Yeah, yeah. Really? So what did they say? Um, just uh, that the the live feeds are looking good. They like the they like the detail in the camera in the store as well as out of the store. Right and uh, I think I think it was Deacon that said that. Thank you, Deacon. Oh, right on. And uh, yeah, so we're having a good time. We're still kind of we're still kind of in the the test phase of this. Mm -hmm. um, this isn't any reg regularly scheduled program or anything. Um, Literally but, uh, coming through the mystic window. We are coming through the mystic window, and uh, yeah, and we'll start our, I think we're going to start our regularly scheduled programming on Saturday, September 12th. The 12th. Yeah, mark at it one, down. At mark 1 p.m. Mark it down, because, uh, yeah, that's the uh, start of the regular programming. So, so what brings you here, man? Because, <laughs> I, I mean, you alluded before to some experience in radio. So, like, what, oh, how, oh. how did that happen? Oh, well, uh, yeah. When I was a kid, um, I loved WKRP in Cincinnati. Yeah. Um, I loved WKRP in Cincinnati, and I loved Johnny Fever, and I wanted to be Johnny Fever. And uh, I, I loved Wolfman Jack, and I loved American Graffiti, and like, you know, like those things and stuff like that. And I always loved that idea of um, uh, a time when I guess it's still possible, but not in the same way. A time when a singular person could so influence the culture of thousands and it's hundreds still of possible. thousands. It's still possible, um, and uh, yeah, it's still possible. But like, just you know, one one person's personality sitting behind a mic, feeding you what they like, and and influencing everybody. And and I I kind of I kind of dug that. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. Right. And I just thought you know like sitting around in a booth having people listen to you talk and listen to your records and get paid for it and just that's your job that would be that would be amazing so how do you feel about doing it out of uh, like i mean this is the mystic bookshop yeah it is like a mystical place and i mean you've yeah. been here uh i mean in this capacity and yeah. other capacities long enough to see the type of people that come in and yeah. the questions or concerns that they have yeah about a variety of different things yeah um so factoring that in uh how do you envision uh, sort of your uh, apotheosis from out of the mystic window. Oh, geez, my wow, that's that's a big question. Um, well, I, I I don't think it's 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 uh, it's a secret that I'm probably the biggest skeptic of the group. Perhaps oh, okay. I, Maybe, I, yeah, I, I don't yeah. know. I don't know if that's accurate, but sometimes it it feels like it is. 
And um, but I, I've also always said uh, I'm a skeptic, but I'm open to anything. How is just, it that the magicians are the magicians are always the skeptics? Well, because we know how the tricks are done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, and and we know it's actually quite boring. Or you, spe- you suspect that it's all tricks because the the art of magic is all sleight of hand. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's so you suspect everything is a trick. Yeah. I, I yeah. Exactly. I but if a trick everything works, is a trick. Then but but if a trick and, and the thing is, it's like uh, I'm not one of those people where it's like you. Yeah, I have to see. I have to see proof to believe it. I also have to see proof to completely not believe it yeah, too. Cool, you, know, cool. you know. So like yeah, yeah. you know, my 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 heart and mind is is always open. But I'm also one of those annoying people when I hear something. I'm like, okay, well, what about this? Well, what about this? Well, could it have been this? Well, what about that? What I think that's that? okay, though. I think that's okay, too. Like, I mean, Mary yeah. uh, today was saying that she had done some ast- look at your astrology in, yes. the, in, the rec- in the near future. Yeah. Um, and that you had commented that it was eerily accurate. It was, yeah. Um, but it, 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 I So there's I, some I, benefit to it, regardless of whether or not you believe in it. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, but the thing is, is that f- so whenever, um, whenever I get in debates with people and I'm accused of being a non-believer or something like that, I always use astrology as the example where I'm 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 open to okay. you know experience and stuff like that because I used to be many many moons ago I'd be like oh astrology is bunk there's you know whatever it's silly I you know like how can you possibly believe that whatever whatever. Um, and, um, and my best friend at the time, she, she was Wiccan and she was, she was tired of hearing me, you know, like poo poo everything and, and stuff like that. And she's, and she said, you know, I have this book about astrology and you have to read it. I'm like, oh yeah, sure. I'll read your book about astrology. And it was, and Mary has this book, we have it here. And, but it's, um, it's, uh, horoscopes for every single day of the year on your birthday. Right. And, you know, it, it, the, the book is like, like a foot square almost, and it's, you know, like three inches thick. Oh, this thick. is like it's the massive. Lynn Goodman thing, right? This is Mary's uh, author. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, um, but so this was, this was with my best friend like 20 years ago. And nice. she's like, yeah, you, you, you got to look at this. And so I'm like, fine. And it's this huge book. And I, I turned to my, my birthday and I, it, it was, it was as if someone like crawled into my soul and like literally wrote who, at least from my perspective, I feel I am, right? And it wasn't all like, you're great and everything, and you could improve here. It was like, this is where you're... Well, here, here's another whatever, thing. Here's another like thing. But, but let me finish, yeah. let me finish. So I'm like, oh, wow, that's like crazy. And then so my best friend, Annie, I looked up her birthday, and it like completely described her. And yes, there's always an element of confirmation bias, possibly, but I just went to everybody I knew, and it, and and it was exactly like a psychological profile yeah. of them, as far as I could tell. And I was like, wow, that's crazy. And then after that, I became one of those people where occasionally I'd be like, oh, what sign are you? Oh, what sign are you? And I started, you know, like Gemini, I'm a Gemini and Geminis are supposed to get along with these certain signs and not get along with these certain signs. And all these things have, as much as I can tell, Played, you know, out played, played out relatively accurately, and and so I'm I'm a I don't necessarily believe the stars aligning and the you know there's some other explanation I think, but I, I believe it. You know. So well, I mean, yeah. Look, uh, it's limited to what it could be. It could yeah. be like the season that they were born, whatever. But I mean, yeah. that all it, it equates with where the stars are at. Yeah. The other thing that's interesting though is that okay, the other day we were all sitting around and we were messing with the runes. Yeah. And then Mary found this thing in the booklet. 
that uh, you find your runes. Yeah. And you and Mary shared a couple of runes in common. Uh-huh, you also yeah. owned the same astrological book that you had 20 years ago, yeah. and this is also Mary's Bible. Yeah. And this was occurring before you guys knew each other. Uh-huh. Um, and then both of you shared a rune with me. Yeah. So yeah. those synchronicities, you throw that all to chance, like you? Um, no, no, I don't. I, I, I don't throw it all to chance. I mean, I think chance is a possibility, but it could also yeah, be something sure. else, right? And I'm open to to believing anything. Um, I think I'm so open to believing anything. I find it hard to to you know lay my sword down at at anything. Um, I can dig it. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I'm, you know, I, 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 I don't believe anything, and yet I believe everything. <laughs> right, 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 right. Yeah. So my whole, th- my whole, th- like, as silly as it sounds, my whole thing is the force, man. <laughs> the force. Yeah, the force for is sure. pretty much where where I'm coming from. Mr. Lucas. Yeah. And uh, Joseph Campbell. Mm-hmm. So that's that's sort of my vibe. So what was it that we were listening to? This last artist that we were listening to. The last artist, um, that really long song. Yeah. Um, that was uh, "Snake in the Grass" by the Black Angels, and um, I discovered the Black Angels strangely on. Um, oh, geez, I'm gonna forget the show now. It's um, it's either vice principles or east i think it's eastbound and down uh, do, you, do you know the show eastbound and down no, um kevin mcbride is in it he's he's kind of like a dumpy guy and he always plays kind of guys who thinks they're smarter than they are and he's got like a mullet and stuff like that we all know that guy and uh yeah and and he's had a couple shows on hbo like vice principles and eastbound and down and uh, a couple other ones and they're like really funny obscenely funny you know and but they they often seem to have this ability to find these really tender moments in this like obscene stupid comedy and and which is difficult to do and at the end of one episode um snake in the grass wasn't on it but um the song you on the run was the end credits and when the end credits came up i was sitting there with mary and i'm like is that the velvet underground and she's like it sounds like the velvet underground but we we didn't recognize the song so we couldn't figure it out. So then I, you know, I went through the whole Google, you know, abyss, you know, down the Google hole or whatever. And I finally found out that it was the song You on the Run by the Black Angels. And I was like, wow, that's really cool. And so uh, I went to Odyssey Records, formerly across the street, not anymore. Um, Where are they now? Do we know? They're actually right around the corner from Mary and Me's house. They're on Elias over in that. Uh, I haven't gone by to visit them yet, but. Right on. Um, shout yeah, out to Odyssey. Shout yeah, out. shout out to Justin. And um, but anyway, I, I went there and I'm like, "Do you have any like Black Angels?" And he's like, "Yeah." And he and he sold me the <laughs> album. And um, and like it, it's just it's just one of those records you get it and like the art in it is fantastic and it's like just the whole package just like comes together and it's it's just everything it's like about an it. Unboxing experience. Yeah, and and I played this record and it's like these like these guys are like the velvet. They're like. You know, they're like where the Velvet Underground stops. These the these guys continue. are, are continue. That's who I thought you were playing. And yeah, and the funny thing is, is that I then like Wikipedia them and everything, and I found out that they named themselves the Black Angels based off the Velvet Underground yeah. song Black yeah. Angel, right. <laughs> and um, and they complete they freely admit that they're they're completely influenced by the Velvet Underground. So 
Um, so if you like the Velvet Underground or Lou Reed or Some of the Lou Black Reed Angels, Man, yeah. is you know they're they're great. They're fantastic. Yeah. They have uh, several really good albums. But I was really happy to discover them. Do I you have any Lou Reed in your playlist? Not on the playlist, no. Okay. Maybe maybe next time we'll get some Lou Reed. Okay, yeah, yeah. for sure. Um, I could I could probably I can't talk very well while I'm looking all this stuff up, but we could probably get some Lou Reed. But we're talking though; we can't play it anyway. Well, we can look and queue it up, maybe. Oh, we can look and queue it up. Okay. Um, and uh, a little walk on the wild side is always good. Um, there we go. So it's queued up. Um, but uh, yeah, so so this was the awesome. closing yeah. credits. This was the closing credit during the end credits of uh, of this like stupid obscene little you know like half hour comedy on hbo that like it's all it's all dick jokes and stuff like that and then like but they find these really tender moments and they have this really cool song at the end credits and uh, i love um i love discovering music that way when you just kind of hear something and you're like man this is striking a chord with me and you know you you have to do the go down the rabbit hole Yeah. yeah it's so much fun and i mean you you and you play amazing music like you have such a such a um yeah you know reservoir of awesome music some yeah i mean this is an education for Ooh, me by the way if you ever tune into uh-huh. like the webcam like in the middle of the night and you hear those playlists that's uh-huh. uh that's the mystic putting them yeah. together for you yeah 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 <laughs> but yeah uh, this is an education for me like i'm more um tend to be more like jazz, R&B, blues, right. kind of as far as like what I grew up influenced by. Yeah. Um, I mean, but you know, when, when it comes to like Lou Reed and, that, and the whole like Andy Warhol scene, um, <laughs> then yeah, of course, you know. Yeah. But yeah, no, I thought that was uh, Velvet Underground that you were listening to. Close, but no cigar. Yeah. Yeah. So what's... Uh, uh, you were asking me earlier, um, oh yeah, about DJs and stuff and how I, you know, how I got to that or whatever. Yes. Um, and, uh, or my, my experience in it or whatever. Um, uh, after falling in love with WKRP and stuff like that, I, um, as I got older, I loved movies like talk radio and talk radio is, is like a classic in, yeah. in, in my mind. It's amazing. Oliver Stone, Eric Bogosian. It's amazing. But, uh, like, and, you know, like, Good Morning Vietnam, like, anything with DJs and stuff, I, like, I just kind of, like... Well, you got the voice. I I noticed that. Thanks. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll I'll take that. I'll take that compliment. Um, But, uh, and then when I was uh, in the last year, year or so of high school, I actually got a job at, uh, in Kitchener at CKWR, um, Canada's oldest community radio station, I believe. Oh, right and they were in a different location at the time. They were in like Uptown Waterloo or something like that. But um, a friend of mine started volunteering there, and we were just like cutting commercials like on tape. So that's how that's how that's how old I am. Like, but like taking strips of tape and cutting them and taping them together, yeah. and, you know, like all that stuff. And um, analog. Yeah, and then we were there for so long. Um, we kind of got like this, like you know, Saturday night at like two a.m. We were allowed like twenty minutes, maybe half an hour, oh, right to go in and just do whatever. 
and it was funny because like we we wanted to go in and dj but there was so much music we wanted to play that we actually didn't it, we just paid, basically introduced songs and then like you know didn't really do anything at that's all. okay hey that's yeah. what people yeah want. it was just like here's some lou reed here's some Iggy pop here's david bowie here's you know and we were just trying to squeeze in all this music um that we didn't really get a whole lot of dj experience but um and then years later when i um when i was in toronto I went to uh, I went to apply to a broadcasting college, and you had to have a portfolio and you had to do tryouts and stuff like that. And I went to the tryouts, and during the tryouts, I found out how much the school cost, and I was like, "Well, I can't afford to go to." I was like, I was on my own in my early twenties in Toronto. I didn't want right. to go into OSAP debt or anything like that, and um, so I went through the day and then I went home and then and I had to do like a like a you know do the dj voice um audition yeah, and, yeah. and stuff like that and they liked my voice and they thought i took direction well and they're like that's great and they called me the next day and they said you're in and i'm like oh sorry i can't afford it and then they were like angry that i didn't tell them earlier which i was telling it's you cash I, money, I, man. I, I get it i get it from their perspective but yeah. you could just say okay and hang up you didn't have to be like they were all they're all like oh you could have told us like you know we went through thousands of people last night and you know yeah. blah 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 and, you know, which is fair, I guess. Yeah. Well, I heard, um, uh, what's his name from Aerosmith, uh, lead singer of Aerosmith? Steven Tyler. Yeah, Steven yeah. Tyler. Um, talking about the auditions for American Idol. Yeah. And just how, like, you know, grading it can be. Like, I mean, you obviously, like, for me, you got the voice for this, but I right. imagine not everybody does. Sure. And then when you're somebody sitting there listening to all these audition tapes, right. I imagine it can drive you batty at a yeah. certain point. Yeah, probably. Mm. Yeah. But yeah, they could have been nicer for sure. Like yeah, there's no need. There's no need to, to you know, whatever. But anyway, that yeah. yeah, doesn't matter. So what? Uh, what kind of uh, speaking of podcasts and stuff? What kind of uh, content are you looking forward to bringing to uh, the Mystic? Oh, interesting question. Um. I'm well. I'm intrigued with the the concept of vibration, yeah. and I'm intrigued that you know all of this, like all of this technology, is you know the whole illustration of how the human eardrum works. Like that, it's this hammer that catches the vibrating air, and then yeah, I'm interested in in sort of creeping into people's minds in that way through oh, the airwaves. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. and then. Uh, you know, playing with some of the ideas that we hear about here, uh, you know, doing spells and just how that will affect things when we can radiate that out to the rest of the city, the yeah. rest of the neighborhood. Yeah. Like, I don't know, man. I mean, I look out the window and, and like over at the root cellar, for example, they've painted the plywood fronts on yeah. the windows and it's, and it's a lot more uh, appealing to look at than it was when it was just raw plywood. Yeah. Um, but I mean, you know, this corner... Like, I just feel like there's a certain vibration that needs to be here that kind of yeah. was coming yeah. and kind of got squashed with this whole COVID thing. Yeah. Um, but that's, I'm kind of interested in playing with that and seeing if we can plant a seed and shift some of this stuff. Yeah, and yeah. I know, like, with your expertise, you know, doing, putting all of this together, like, I mean, we're being <laughs> heard because you put all this together, you know, yeah. but that... Yeah. Uh, coupled with uh, you know Mary and her uh, because she's always been a community person too 
Yeah. And like even in the old neighborhood, having moms coming in with their kids and, and making like kids' books available really cheaply and having reading times for kids and then encouraging uh, Carolyn and I to do a camp there. Yeah. And, you know, she's always been a kind of a community person, too. Mm-hmm. And then with your sensibility of how to pro- how to in a, in a in a learned way communicate mm-hmm. with people either visually or audio yeah you know yeah I mean you put all of that together along with the magic and I think yeah we're somehow we're going to shift this corner I think so man I think and I mean so. there's been errors and it's right? all like, like you know like Mary's Mary's heart is like driving this and her spirit is driving this for and sure it's like she's got so much power and you know you I hope. think uh, you know. She's on to something. She's doing something. Yeah. yeah. And and every place has eras, right? Like, yeah. you know, I mean, even along the Nile Valley, like how, how many civilizations uh, emerged, including, of course, the great ancient Egyptian civilizations we all know. But I mean, there were Nubians, there were all kinds of people, Berbers. Yeah. Um, and I think this is the same. Like, you know, we I mean, we had like how many incarnations of the St. Regis? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, and that place has been around like, for as long as I can remember, and I don't remember seeing it like this, you know. Yeah. Now it's closed, but I think yeah. we're we're rolling around like a scab is gonna is being peeled away. Something's happening. Yeah. And and if you believe in this stuff, all of this Absolutely. has some kind of purpose, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a calling, we can, man. We can do it. You used to live right up there, and and I did. Lily's yeah, corner. right above, yeah. right above the Lily's Corner. Right above, sign. right above payday loans there. Yeah. Right over there, right. Up, that's where Charles lived up yeah. there. <laughs> I would never imagine that I'd be sitting in this window right now doing this. Yeah, that's weird. Like, how old were you when you were up there? Uh, like two, something. Shit, like that. man, that's yeah, weird. And now, and now yeah. here you are, like in the window right across the street. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's and crazy. I never thought I'd be back in London. Speaking of which, like, how did you end up in London again? Uh, Mary, Mary, oh, solely. Me to London. Okay. So, Mary, 110%, no other reason. Okay, so you came fr- just f- straight from Kitchener? Yep. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah we, we were we were together for a while and it made sense for me to come here, so... So London was, wins, it, London it was, wins. It was more than a pleasure to come here for Mary and Mary alone. Right on, then, right <laughs> on. <laughs> but London's great. I mean, London, you know, there's there's rough things about London and, and over the however long the years we do these podcasts or whatever i'm sure we'll talk about some of it and hopefully only in the front end and not in the later end but you know but like every city has its rough edges and rough corners and you know um you know like you know like i've i've had worse situations in toronto than i've ever had in london um in terms of personal experiences like where i felt threatened or i felt things were dangerous or i felt you know like um, and not to equate that, you know, like an individual's violence towards me is is worse than an individual's violence towards themselves, or anything like that's that's not what I'm trying to imply. Um, but um, you know, I think for all the all the troubles that are here, I think most of the people are still good people. Um, yeah, that's for sure. I've never I've never felt like someone was trying to hurt me, you know, and uh, that's I can't say that much for probably any other large city I've lived in I've had moments where I felt threatened before or whatever and in London I walk around and I feel sad a lot and that and that's too bad but I've never felt threatened um, you know um, I've just wanted to help yeah. and feel like people need help 
I mean, that's probably the attitude more people need to have. Yeah. Like, especially in this area here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, yeah, I mean... Like, with regard to it, because, I mean, earlier you were commenting on the, the number of Porsches that you see in London. Or the number of oh high Porsches, end yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and just was that on the air or no? Um, that was off the air. That was off the air. Yeah, but yeah, high I, end I, cars. I, there, I see a lot for the um, impression I get that some people have of London. Um, they're they're and and what certain areas may seem like. There's obviously a lot of wealth in this city because I see more Porsches, especially here than than i've ever seen anywhere else but um other yeah. fancy cars like we like the it came up because we saw brand that new corvette, corvette yeah, go yeah. by and i had no idea they look like lamborghinis now i don't know when that happened but yeah. um it looks like they're going to transform and tom cruise is going to jump out or something but, but i mean but when people in i mean like even these suvs that pass through are here i mean they're, ne oh, they're they not they don't cheap, seem yeah. to be necessarily people from the immediate neighborhood yeah um, but they pass through. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I don't know, like to me, man, uh, the strength of a city is represented by its weakest link. Yeah. And you just think, like I, I sometimes wonder what is causing all of these, uh, you know, you, like we see a lot of things, pa people passing by the store, yeah. either with a mental health mm -hmm. issue or a, or a substance abuse issue, yeah. which all basically boils down to a mental health issue. Yeah. Um, why why concentrated here like in in your opinion having been here mm. for for the amount of time that you have been yeah um but you've been right in in this area for how long and um, witnessed what's going well on. the entire time i've been in london i've been here yeah um i've been in the oeb and stuff like that and um and just be honest you know, like why do i think it's happening yeah. i really like it's been like this since i got here so i i don't really know why I only know what people have told me, and I don't want to speak for anybody. But um, I mean, the one thing I always hear is the you know the closing of the psychiatric hospital doors yep. closed. Sorry, bye. Yep. You know that it kind of started around mm -hmm. then. That's just what I've heard. I don't know if that's accurate or not. Um, but sounds like that would contribute to to yep. the mentally ill on the streets. Hundred um, percent. And then you know, and then the you know obviously the opioid epidemic and then like lately like COVID nineteen probably isn't helping and, and all that stuff and it's like um, has it been why? more since COVID have there been more like people on the street um, I don't know I don't think so um, I'm I'm sure it's not helping I'm sure it's not helping I'm sure it's Eh, yeah, I don't know. Maybe not. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know what I'm talking about. No, but from um, what you see here, though. I, I, um, it's the summer. You tend to see more and more people as yeah, the, as the summer that. months go on yeah. until the until it starts getting colder. So it's hard to say. Um, y y uh, yeah, I think there. It seems like there's been a few, few more. So as a business owner, like for example, earlier. There was a, a a young fellow who who you know had made possibly some issues and had left a bike right in the doorway. Yeah. Like as a business owner dealing with those things uh, day to day, like what do you what would you like to see happen, and what do you think in what ways could we contribute to uh, alleviating some of this? Like I think having a camera on the window and having people yeah. actually see what's going on. Yeah. Um, because it's one thing to drive through it, 
but it's another thing to really like I found it almost overwhelming like the f- in the beginning just looking out this window yeah and seeing the day-to-day life of some of the folks in the immediate neighborhood mm-hmm. um, and then you suddenly have a realization and I mean I live around the corner yeah but there's something about sitting here and watching life go by constantly yeah. that makes you you know ponder and I just feel like maybe uh, putting this camera on the street is going to get give other people the opportunity for that experience, and maybe that'll like humanize it and shift things. But if you were to sort of be purposeful about it, like what would you, as a business owner, for example, like you're a member of the business association, and yeah. there's an issue of folks on the streets and yeah. putting their bikes in doorways and and things like that. Yeah. Um, how would you approach it, like as a business owner? In terms of our contribution to, to try to try to change it, no, to try to change at least for at least for our area here, like what? Um, if if I can get a little controversial for a second, I'd like Jesse Helmer and Ed Holder to just you know do something. Just you know, put some some sort of plan. Yep. You know that that's sort of my first. Um, hey, what can we do? It'd be nice to hear that there's a plan. That you know you're thinking about it. That you're you know doing something about it. You know, yep. um, I've you know I've I've emailed and called and tweeted and you know like both of them numerous times with no response. Yep. And I'm not saying they're bad people, Jesse. I know you just had a baby. I hope everything's going fine. Yeah, if you're course. listening to this, of course, of course. Um, but um, but I just I just want to know Some somebody movement. somebody's doing like what like yeah. what are we doing you know like are are we just turning I mean there there's the whole part of I mean uh, like to, to be honest what I would like to see is a complete industri- infrastructure built that helps support the mentally ill get them the help they need yeah. do proper check-ins not with cops but with mental health professionals i'd like to see the entire culture change so that we're aware of mental health and don't blame people for mental health treat mental health just like we treat cancer or, or anything like that amen you know yep. i'd like to see um you know i'd like to see a culture completely change where it doesn't reward men for being stoic and not emoting anything and like if you're emotional and like you cry or something you're a whimper i'd like to see that culture of you know is that I happening? Hate to use the do you term, think that's happening masculinity i i you know I think is that shift happening right now like i mean with the advent of the whole me too movement and everything i think it, i think it's shifting um, I mean, I've certainly reflected on it, and I feel yeah. like I'm a pretty reflective person even yeah. before all of this. Um, yeah, you but are. I cer- <laughs> but certainly yeah. since it's happened, I mean, I realize that, I mean, there are some things about just being a guy that is, we're, we're limited in our, in our perspective to a masculine viewpoint, the same sure, way as yeah. a woman can experience what it is to be a man, you yeah. know. But... I've certainly reflected in a different way yeah. and and because the conversation is out there mm-hmm. constantly it it puts you in the position where you're thinking about it a lot more. Yeah. So I think we're we're at a time maybe when that toxic masculinity is is dissolving. Like I yeah, I mean I think it's I th- I I I think we're I like think, it ain't I cool. Th- I think where we are I think where we are with something like toxic masculinity is the same place we're in with um like politics right now and stuff like that i think they're i think 
things are getting better with toxic masculinity where people are becoming more aware but i think it's also getting worse where people who do embrace toxic masculinity are, are feeling threatened yeah, and they're fighting yeah, back 100 percent. right so yeah, 100%. i feel like i feel like it's getting better but worse at the same time yeah. or seemingly worse the worse seems to be louder you know it's than, like a fish on the dock um, like flipping yeah. around gasping yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um and um and like I feel the same way about politics. Like I feel like, you know, like Donald Trump and Mitch McConnell and all those friggin' old white dudes in the states and all that. It's just like a last and on all the people who, or not all of them, most of the people who vote for them, or a good chunk of the people who vote for them. It's like this last gasp of save the rich white man because oh my god, my kids might not be as rich as I am or or something like that, right? Yeah. Like, and um, might have to share a little bit. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like so I feel like there's. Whenever you get massive positive sea change, there's always a bit of a, you know, there's always like a huge clawback or pushback by the people who are losing power, right? And so what happens is so the change is never really as big as we want it to be because there's that clawing back that, that's like kind of holding you back. So it's like you think you're here, but then you end up here, and then you think you're here, and then you end up, you know, and it's yep. like this constant, you know. And so I think in, in the long run, we always end up better but we don't always do it in the leaps and bounds, or we're not always better in the leaps and bounds that we think we are. We're a little further back than we thought, but... Okay, so as a, okay, this is like a magic thing. Like, you know, it's, it's like also... when Obama was voted in, they were like, oh, racism is dead in America. You oh, yeah. Know? No, it's no, like no, everyone no. everyone wanted to be here, but it's like, okay, well, we made your milestone, you know, but, yeah. you know, claw that back a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah for um, sure, man. Yeah, sorry, what were you going to say? Okay, so like, this is kind of a magic thing and a creative artist thing, uh -huh. which in my mind, e are, are, they equate with one another. Yeah. Uh, synonymous. Mm -hmm. um, how, how do you think then that uh, art is affecting... Uh, what, what, what is happening artistically right now in the world, whether it be film or music, that you hear that is addressing some of this in the way that artists have done in other periods in the past where there has been great tumult like this? Like I, what I, think, I think the best, I, like, I, I think on the one hand, I can't answer that. I don't, th I don't think I'm... I think you can. Then. Well, I guess I am answering it. But, uh, but um, I, think, I think the, I think the art that's... Uh, what's up? Hey. I think the um, the art that's changing the world right now is not art that I'm paying attention to. Interesting. Um, I think that the art that's changing the world right now is probably TikTok and um, and Instagram Live and things like that. Yeah, you're of, right. You're of, right about that. Of of. of people that are probably half my age i think that's the art that's probably changing the world and half of it is probably stuff that i might look at and go is that what they're calling art nowadays what other you art know? is there right now well, though like i mean uh you know stephen colbert is well, that, well I, I, th I think five i think 30 second tiktok videos are art right now yeah you know and and you know i think i think there's art there that's being created that's just as good as any other art ever but i think the sad thing is, is it's going to be transient you know that it's like there's a there's there it's it you know if you take all the best of it there's still too much of it yeah i think you know that 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 a culture can't focus on just one of them or, or a few of them or something so i think 
I think. Remember what? Remember we were talking the other day where I was ta- where we were saying um, there are probably just as many musicians working in the subway that are better musicians than Bowie or Prince or anybody, but because they just don't have that package together, they don't get noticed. It's not always just about musical talent. It's about like the whole sort of package that you put around it, yeah. whether it's the artist creating it or the, or the manager creating it or whatever. Right. right? Um, and so, um, shit. I forget Thing about Prince so is, is all those now. entities. He is. Like, yes. Yeah. yeah he, Absolutely, and actually, bad example because Bowie, Bowie was Bowie was in same. control of his own stuff too. But yeah. there are like the Sex Pistols was created by management. And, those you know, are genius. Like, yeah. yeah, like not a, yeah. not everybody has all those uh-huh. tools. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and um, so like TikTok and art. Yeah, like I'm sure there's there's amazing art on those things, but it's like. You know, it's just on a feed that gets passed up. And, and sure, maybe 50 years from now it'll be on a server somewhere, but nobody's going to be paying attention to it. And yeah. I doubt that it'll be on a what server What was uh, Trump's issue with TikTok? What was that all about? Just because it's owned by China, and he thinks it's he thinks they're, they're brainwashing it's American children. Interesting. Because he's just... Did you hear his rant this morning about, like, cans of soup? No. And he's and he's like and he's like, you know what the riders are doing? They're bringing cans of soup, bags of cans of soup. Do you know why? Because you can throw a can of soup. You can get your hand around a can of soup so and throw a can of soup. <laughs> and then when the cops come up to you and they're like, "What's with all the cans of soup?" You just say, "Hey, man, I'm building. I'm buying cans of soup for my family." That's how they get away with it. Everybody knows it. The media knows it, but they don't talk about it. Why would they talk about it? They're just as culpable. It's awful. It's awful. I tell you. So if you like, are buying. you're in trouble this is the president of the united states of america like he like he literally went on for like two and a half minutes where like every other word was cans of soup it was ridiculous it was like a simpsons episode it was ridiculous every everything about his presence everything about his it's just it's so ridiculous um but um but yeah so he just he just didn't like that china owned it he i think he was just trying to do a power play to to because he saw how big it is and he wanted it to belong to an American company. So he played this political game, which is probably in itself an impeachable offense to, con- to, um, to pressure the Chinese to sell it to an American company. I'm sure that's not ethical. Like, uh, yeah. is, like <laughs> is it? It's like a mafia Like thing. The, the president getting involved in private enterprise? Like, the, yeah. like it can't, that's got to be wrong. Like, I, I don't know. So... Um, He's been yeah. doing it the whole time. Well, yeah, he's been doing it the whole time. Is he's he's been doing it since he was like, "Hey, kids, if I become president, you know how much that'll do for our family wealth." You know, so that he's means been doing it ever so. Since what then. you're saying is that the revolution will not will be not be televised. <laughs> it'll be TikToked. It'll be TikToks for yeah. sure, yeah. or it'll be like podcast, or it'll be you know like Instagram Live, or it'll be you know, and the, and the the like the the sad thing is. I I, th- I don't know if this is an accurate prediction or not, but the sad thing is, like I said, they'll be transient. Like they won't. There'll be works of art that will be lost forever. They'll be lost forever in, um, you know, the abyss of a of a cloud server somewhere or something. And they'll also be lost in the abyss of not enough eyes to see it because there's so many things to distract everybody from everything. Interesting. Maybe not though. Like I mean, graffiti in the early days was yeah. considered basically the same like i mean you when you would spray something it mm-hmm. would be taken down mm-hmm. like you know fairly quickly yeah so a transient form of art um but yeah. there was some great power behind that i mean even the transients itself can be 
I, I agree there's there's power behind that, but I think there's power behind that because everyone who sees it and is influenced by it is in exactly the same community. And I think yeah. with a TikTok, like, you know, 100,000 people is nothing, right? You have to get like a billion people to see it to to make any change, right? Like, so I think, I, like, I think that's the difference maybe. Like, you know, it's... Um, like you know, some sort of a I'm, local trying to, I'm trying to think of some spin on the medium is the message, but uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but that's that is very true. Though. Yeah, Mr. McLuhan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean. So yeah, what is I, what I, is I, the I, message then with TikTok? I did, but that's the thing. I don't know. Like I know, I know that um, a generation below me is watching TikTok, and I don't. So I, I I don't know what it's capable of because I'm I'm just I'm not familiar with it. I'm I, like I don't, I'm an old man, <laughs> you know. I um like it's it's thirty second videos I guess or fifteen second videos. See, I don't even know the the rules or whatever. But and it's tool. Um, I mean, yeah. So it, what would it, it, as it's, it's just from your sensibility? And, and like, what would you do with fifteen seconds? Like like if if you oh, were told you have to create a 15 second piece of visual audio right experience yeah um and you had a message to convey yeah how as a filmmaker would you use 15 seconds and and like in what instances do maybe i know who my audience is can i pick my audience you can pick your audience yeah i'd make a video for donald trump <laughs> okay yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> I, like, yeah i don't know like what um I have to say, I'm a filmmaker, man. I'm used to like thinking of an idea and pondering it for six months and then trying to get grants uh, for it and then uh, filming it and then it comes out and it's like a two-year process. I'm not used to like But this is TikTok. This is TikTok. I know, I can't. I, I, <laughs> that's the thing. That's why I don't get TikTok. You know, I, I don't yeah. get it. And I um, I just don't know how... I should say I don't know. I, I don't understand and I'm not even sure... Yeah, hmm. Well, you've you've worked in advertising. Yeah, I like I mean, advertising yeah. is like economy of motion. It's economy of word and, and stuff like that. And I mean, like, okay, here's the, here's the, here. If I had fifteen seconds, here's what I do. I would I would make a movie adaptation of my favorite single sentence in a book ever. Okay. Okay. And the book is oh my god, I'm forgetting the title of the book now. Something dogs. But it's by Amy Hempel. Okay. And um, Amy Hempel, is, she's she's a brilliant writer. And you I can put a link to that. I can put somewhere. A link, okay, yeah, I can good. put a link to that. So I can figure out what the book is and put a link to it. Um, I'll put a link to it. I'm not going to look it up right now. But she is like a master of economy of word. Like she's like PhD level. Like her economy of word is incredible. Scientific. And I, yeah, and I was turned on by her by Chuck Palahniuk, the, the guy who wrote Fight Club, and he's one of my favorite authors. And I saw him in an interview once, and he said the most influential author on him was Amy Hempel okay. because it taught him how to say so much with so little. And so I started reading it, Amy Hempel. Right on. Right? And I just, like, I read the first book, and I just went, I ordered all her books, you know. And she writes short stories, and she writes all this stuff. I, um, uh... I've ripped her off in my short films, like in um, in liaison, 
you know, when the main character is in the bathtub and she goes underwater and you can hear her heart beating? I love I that. ripped that off from an Amy okay, Hempel okay, it, it, yeah, It's, right it's an Amy Hempel oh. passage. And I was like, when I read it, I'm like, I'm going to put that in a movie I'm one day. I'm learning the magician's I'm gonna, secrets. Yeah, I, I read it and I was like, I'm going to put that in a movie one day. Like, it's, like it's brilliant. It's just so, you know, and it, it was one line. It was like she slid under the water and listened to her own heartbeat. I and I was like, liked that. And I was like, I'm put, I'm, I'm gonna, that's, that's a line in one of my scripts one day. So Amy Hempel, if you want to sue me, the movie never made any money. So, <laughs> um, oh, did, do you actually? You don't. Say, I mean, you just visually show that happening, and then we hear the heartbeat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's yeah. She's just lying in the bathroom, and she can hear her family arguing. In yeah, the I thought that was genius. Yeah, and yeah. Then she just sort of slides underwater, and the sound and muffles. And she's going underwater. Yeah. The sound of the arguing goes away, and she can hear her own heartbeat. I totally ripped off it. I maybe I embellished it in some impressive ways, but you know, oh, I, I, I ripped it. that off from Amy Hempel. Right on. Uh, but so if I had 15 seconds and I had to make a 15 second movie, my um, I guess I shouldn't say favorite sentence. It's not a sentence. I it's a favorite moment. And the moment is she walked into the gas station and asked the attendant, "How do I get anywhere but here?" Nice. <laughs> and, and 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 it was like awesome. And that that's how she writes. Like one line like that, like that tells you everything about that so character. So study her that tells you for the revolution. Exactly. Like, yeah. yeah. I, I mean, like, so you know, I if I was ever gonna become a TikTok guy or something like that, I would probably choose moments in books like that and just make just make those scenes. Okay. Or yeah. For so sure. So don't go put tell the, me to do the, it now because oh, I have so much time. Put in the, the world. link. Put the link, man. Yeah. We're, we're gonna be. I guess. I TikTok guess. Folks. Mystic window on TikTok. Yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. But. Uh, yeah, so that so this isn't the point of your question, but Amy Hempel. Amy Hempel is is brilliant, and she has, like, her novel is like, one hundred and twenty pages. Like, it, like her novel is super thin. Her sure. short stories, sorry, but her like her short stories, give you an, as much information as an entire novel. And her novel is like you know in terms of what you experience is like war and peace even wow. though it's like 150 see this it's, is she says so much so, so she is the one that we have to study because she's the antithesis of trump yeah who speaks yeah constantly and says nothing yeah she speaks very little and says many things yeah 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 that's absolutely. exactly what we need yeah she's 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 awesome i don't i i don't know much of i don't know much about i think she's still alive i don't think she's that old um but um I haven't. I look her up every now and then. She hasn't published any like n anything new in quite a while. Um, and you heard of her through through Chuck, Chuck Palahniuk, Palahniuk, the guy that wrote Fight Club. Yeah. Okay. In an interview, he said that he learned from her economy of word was how he. And what's it. her name again? Amy, Amy Hempel. Amy A M Y H E M P E L. I'll put right a on. I'll put a link on the eventual YouTube thing. Indubitably. Yeah. Indubitably. Um, oh, my chalice is empty. I shall fill the chalice. What do we got on the box, Thank man? You. What music we got going on? Uh, you want to put uh, you want to put a couple of Lou Reed songs on for a couple sure, of minutes while sure. we take a break? All right, we're gonna take a break. Um, so if you're listening to this on uh, YouTube or Apple Podcasts or anything, you're not gonna hear this song because. Um, so here we go. We're going to take Lou Reed. Sorry, I should have gotten this up before I started chatting with you about it. That's all right. Um, it's just Mary. Hey, Mary. <laughs> yeah, Mary's the only one listening. Hey, baby. How's it going? Okay, here we go. We're going to take a little break. We'll be back in a minute. All right. A little bit of re -read. So where did we leave off? 
Oh, yeah. Amy Hempel, I think. Amy Hempel. We did. And you looked her up, and there was a 2019 book that was written? Uh, I looked her up, and she released a book last year uh, called... uh, I forget what it was called. Oh, it's got to be still up there? No, it's not. I closed the window. Um, Well, she did have a book in 2019. She did have a book in 2019. Um, I think it was To Stop It. Sounds familiar. Sounds familiar. Um, I think it was to stop it, but yeah. So she's got another book, and I'm I'm gonna buy it and read it at some point. because yeah. she's awesome. Economy of word. It's harder than you think. It definitely is. Yeah. I'm glad you introduced that to me, man. Mm-hmm. Do you read um, Chuck Palahniuk at all? I don't. No. Oh, he's he's really. I'm obviously like that's how I he learned from her, which is how I found out about her. But his his economy of word is is pretty awesome too. Um, he's uh, yeah, he's such a good like he's he's like his his books are. How, how did you feel by, about by, uh, Fight Club, the film? Oh, I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Yep. Um, uh, David Fincher is literally my favorite director of all time. Like he like he's he's made he's made a movie that's at the bottom of the list of movies he's made. But he's never made a bad movie. <laughs> yeah. Put it that way. Um, but yeah, I yeah I I can't um, like one of these days on another show get me talking and I could talk about David Fincher all all night. I could go through every one of his movies and yeah. So I when you think Fincher. of Pal um writing style, mm-hmm. like this economy of words that you're talking about, yeah, with Amy Hempel and, and yeah, um, how how uh, accurately. Or in in what ways does the director achieve those? How how comparable is it to the book? Right, I, um, it's actually very comparable to the book, except for the very very end. Um, so so the end of the movie is a little like Hollywood studio compromised kind of. Okay. Um, it's yeah. not as it's not as dark as the book. Um, I don't know if you was that a that. thing. Was the actual ending cinematically always meant to be? Um, I I don't think so no I I think the adaption always had an altered ending Um, the 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 script was written before David Fincher got involved Um, as far as I know he didn't know any other version of the script so it was it was probably um, if it wasn't the screenwriter's choice to change it it was always a mandate from day one that the by the studio or whatever that the that the ending be changed yeah. and so if you remember the end of the movie like I hope it's okay if I spoil it because it's like 20 years old now huh. um, but you know they, they go they set the charges at the bottom of the visa buildings and blah 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 and yeah. they, they blow up and stuff like that in the book um, they're actually thwarted um, and and uh, Tyler um, is arrested, or Tyler, um, Jack, would, you know, whatever yeah. you want to call him. He, he's arrested, and um, he goes to prison, and the and that's the end of the chapter. And the next chapter, I think I'm remembering this right, but the the last chapter is that he's in talking to his prison psychiatrist or whatever, and uh, you know they're doing like he's like so you know why what you did was wrong and blah 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 and he's like yeah yeah and then a guard comes in and says you know like time's up or whatever and stuff like that and the guards escorting him out of the psychiatrist's office and the psychiatrist goes oh by the way Mr. Durden and he turns around and he's like we'll be here when you're ready sir <laughs> you know that's that's how the book ended um, so I prefer that it's you know it's um, um, 
I don't know if it's less subtle. I mean, they're both sledgehammer to the forehead endings, but yeah. I mean, it's. I think it's more in keeping with the spirit of the book. Yeah. Um, and and the 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 perpetual cycle of chaos and and control and order and you know. Um, but uh, yeah, I think the movie captured the book um, like like wonderfully. Um, the how did he? Interpret economy of word. I, I think I think um, I don't know if this makes sense, but I think with the movie's sleight of hand, where they where you were convinced that that Jack and and, and Tyler were two different people, yeah. and you know the um, the yeah, I don't know if yeah. you're aware of the the single f- single frame flashes of of Tyler early on in the movie before he's revealed and, yes. and things like that. Those sort of cinematic sleight of hand, I think, is like a kind of a movie version of a comedy of achieving word. that yeah, you know? yeah 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 um uh yeah i guess it's not a direct comparison but i mean it's a it's an art to art comparison exactly you know yeah that's what i'm yeah. curious about too yeah. is how those sorts of concepts transfer from one discipline to another like how a painter yeah. would in would try to achieve that same way of working mm-hmm like how would a painter do economy of word? Yeah. Uh, because I mean, blank in, in canvas. There. It's sold for a million bucks. Well, really, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. true, true. Yeah. true. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I mean, like the you like yeah. I mean, you in film you that would only work if you had uh, absolutely nothing to say or yeah. everything to say. Yeah. But no yeah. gradation in between. Right. Yeah, so yeah. if you were to try to right. find those gradations. Right. Economy of word. You yeah. need at least a little. Something. Yeah. You need yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. Yeah. But it's, it's, kind of, it's fun in film to try to interpret other people's words. Like admittedly, I've, like, I've written most of, most of my, my own films. I've only like, interpreted stuff a few times. So when you're writing, uh, are you yeah. writing as a writer? And then coming at it as a director, or are you a director while you're writing? If if um, if I'm writing something that I don't have the capability, well, actually, most of what I write, I don't have the ability to, in terms of money or whatever and stuff like that. But if I'm like, if I'm writing a short film and I'm like, oh, I'll get some, I, maybe I can get some funding and I might be able to make this movie or something like that, um, then I'm writing it for me, and and it'll 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 the the dialogue will be the same but the action beats are almost part shot lists in a way you know like um i won't go too heavy into it because i'm giving this to the actors and i and i need them to 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 feel the emotion of it or whatever but i'll I'll basically like you know we like you know we we dolly into the bedroom and we reveal a scene where like whereas if you were just a novice writing a script hoping to sell you wouldn't put you dolly into the bedroom and like whatever yeah. but i but i throw little things like that in because it's like okay i'm saving visualizing time. this and i'm like, kind of saving time yeah and so you know i theoretically i could get to set which is my script and i kind of know what my shot list is right but when i've written scripts where i want to sell them then then i kind of follow the rules more so it's like you know, yep. it's it's like um, uh, these things. You are know, going to you be know, yeah. Middle America, eighteen fifty-eight. Um, Worn-out looking redhead on a hired horse crosses a hill. Dialogue, you know, uh-huh. or she sees a man. Dialogue, you know, and then it's like she rides off content that with the answers that she's been given. You know, cut. 
she rides into town dialogue you know like the you're not supposed to get too flowery with your with your scripts if you're just trying to sell it they just they just want you to what's the story who are the characters get to the point you know so that is and our our million dollar director and production designers and stuff will do the rest and yeah yeah exactly that's the thing Mm -hmm. it's the engine behind yeah i've i've heard stories about directors like I said this to you earlier, jokingly, but directors actually like reading scripts and being like, being mad at the screenwriter and like yelling at them and being like, don't fucking tell me how to direct my movie, yeah, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, and you know, I'm not, I'm not defending that director and I'm not saying a director should do that. And you know, someone should be able to express themselves the way they want. But if you want to sell a script, unfortunately you got to play by yeah, the yeah. shitty rules that assholes might be reading yeah. your scripts, right? So. So, it's just yeah. like any union gig. Yeah. Like everybody's got their lane. Yeah. In which exactly. to participate. Yeah. Don't go over a hundred pages. Don't try and change your font size. You know, like don't like don't try and write a eight act movie instead of a six act movie or a five act movie. I mean, or something like that. You know, um, it's like follow your rules. Have your you know, you know, uh, act one ends on page twenty five to thirty with like an inciting incident and you know like you all know, this stuff you, and then there's the climax in the middle of the second <laughs> act and you got to hit your denouement here and you know you got to follow the rules that's why all movies are the same. So this is all uh, these things are all things you learn in film school. Uh, yeah, I never went to film school, but I mean you you learn as you go through film school or the process of trying to be a director or screenwriter. Okay, well I'm glad you said you didn't yeah. go to film school because that's uh, inspiration and um, <laughs> okay sitting at being 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 a young man lonely with no friends <laughs> like sitting in a basement watching hey, you four got a movies woodshed, in the middle man. of the night that was my film school that's yeah um, you got a woodshed and that was in, that's an exaggeration i was actually a fair bit cooler than that but but yeah that, but that was my film school like i i worked at a video store and I would work the closing shit. I would close at like 1 a.m. or something like that. And I wouldn't have to be back to work till 6 p.m. the next day. When I left work at 1 a.m., I would take four movies with me and like snacks or whatever, you know, from the store. I'd go home. I'd watch those four movies until, you know, because you're like all wired at 1 a.m. and stuff like that, blah, blah, blah. And that was my life for a long time. And I'd watch four movies a night. And City TV at the time at uh, 1 p.m. in the afternoon, they would have the news at noon, right? And at 1 p.m., they would have um, old science fiction. So they would have like the fly, like old Vincent Price movies and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. And so I would I would get up and stuff like that. So I would watch four movies, go to sleep, right? Sleep like four hours, get up at like 12.30 or something, have lunch. At one o'clock, watch the, the city TV sci-fi oldie yeah. and then go to work, right? Yep. And then do it all over. As again. a matter of fact, so I, I believe I saw The Fly as one of those cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I used to tape them. I like. I would have, I would have tapes. Remember on like SLP mode where you could get like nine hours of footage on like yeah, yeah. Yeah, tape, yeah. but the quality was like awful. Like I would tape these movies every day and stuff like that, and I would sit there with a remote and pause the commercial. So like I was a serious film nerd. Right. On, and right but on. but that was my film school. It was like I got to a point where. I may not have known how to make a movie in terms of what's a grip do, what's a gaffer do, what kind of light, what's the difference between an HMI and like blah, blah, blah. But I knew what a movie was supposed to look like because I had seen so many movies. Yep. Right. So it was like, I could. That's s- how I, you got to do it, man. Yeah. Like, I, mean, I, I could, I could see in my head and I could say to people, I'd be, 
I'd be like, oh, I want like, you know, it's like a long shot like this, and you're like this size on the screen, and so-and-so's to the left or whatever. Or I could say to somebody, you know that shot in Heat? So you got that shot, and then remember that shot in Halloween? I know, weird different movies, but imagine those two shots together. Yeah, yeah. You know, I would do stuff like that. And if I had friends who had seen enough movies and could speak that language, they'd know exactly what I'm talking See, about, See, that's right? what I'm saying. That's magic, man. Like, yeah. uh, like what I was thinking when you were describing these different techniques and processes yeah. for script writing and conventions that one should follow. Yeah. Um, like, I was thinking, first of all, I'd like you to, like, somehow notate all that. But yeah. I guess this podcast will be online, so I'll be able to transcribe it. Yeah. But... Um, to to have that information someplace like as part of the store's site oh uh because i feel like that's kind of a, a magic like and right. the things you're describing are things that would work in that soundbite communication format there's like some, tiktok some pe- i should i should change the shot because there's some people outside the window i don't know if we'll see them oh no they're behind charles there oh uh, okay oh they left they were they were very entertaining and waving uh-huh. at us <laughs> Anyway, sorry, go on. I so didn't yeah, to no, but uh, as a use these as a t- as a ways of learning how to communicate in the yeah. era of like TikTok or whatever. Like yeah. as I'm listening yeah, yeah. to you talk about Miss Hample, yeah, and uh, and Mr. Palanik, yeah, Palanik, Palanik. Yeah. Um, I could be. I, that's how I've always heard it. I think it's right. I, th- I think you're right. Yeah, um, I don't want to be the end all be all on that, but <laughs> um, but as I hear you talk about their ability to use economy of word, mm-hmm. and then how TikTok is sort of this weird little mm-hmm. like soundbite form yeah. of communication, and how to use that effectively. Yeah, um, these tools that you're talking about would be useful, like for me, probably for anybody that like, would be. What, what you mean tools is in just my experience. Is yeah, that, and, and how yeah. to properly like look at these things. Like right. like I think writing um, rather than trying to be the director. Right. And just yeah, yeah, yeah. writing yeah. with the exclusion of all the uh, yeah. verbose description of things. Yeah. Um that would be what would inflate like a, a TikTok uh, right. th- or or even uh, like a Twitter message. Right. You know, yeah. how do you say it in so and so many characters? Yeah. Um, filmmaking tools seem like something that would be a good way to utilize those things. Mm-hmm. Like if a filmmaker, yeah. I think as you, I think you should get into it. Yeah. Like I think you should start really heavily doing TikTok videos. Yeah, maybe I'll look into it. And I mean, you're we, interested. We gotta run the social media and, and all that of Mystic Window Media anyway. Yeah, and just what the kids are listening to. So we yes, wanna, indeed. Yeah, you know, yeah, we, get we in wanna, there. You know, we gotta get the kids listening if we wanna. That's it. You know, influence anybody but uh yeah yeah maybe maybe we'll start doing some tiktok videos yeah and put those things somewhere man like uh you you described um like just basic conventions around how to properly write a script yeah 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 well i mean uh yeah i mean it's i can provide it for free but they are also available in books in bookstores and well of course Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) yeah um uh, actually, we should get those books in and sell them for a very deflated price. Okay, that sounds. Maybe yeah. maybe we should maybe we should do that. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Fil- films. I've always heard that. Uh, like I've never been, so I can't say for sure. But what I've heard from the many people I know who went to film school is that they're great for meeting contacts of people who do various film jobs when you want to make a film. But that's what you're paying twenty thousand dollars for, uh, essentially, like right? Attending yeah. a school. It's I like gotcha. it's yeah. like you know, 
um, editing and, you know, sort of, you know, editing and learning how to operate a camera and learning how to, you know, like those are all skills you can learn, right? You can, you can go anywhere, you can go to YouTube, you can meet people, you can get experience on set, you can, you know, like whatever, like buy a book or whatever, there's skills you can learn. Um, and, um, but the, the greatest gift that film school gives you is you meet all these people. Contents. Whereas like, say I wanted to make a movie and I'm like, do we know a sound guy? Like anyone know a sound guy? It's like when you come out of film school, you know a sound guy, you know a gaffer, you know a cinematographer, you know, you know multiples, multiple people of, of all those roles. And that's, that's the best part of film school is networking. Yeah. Um, but other than that, you want to learn how to make a movie, make a movie. And here's the thing. It's like. You're like, I don't know how to make a movie. It's like, just try and make a movie, right? And then cut it together and then watch it. You'll know if it, you're right or not. That's the thing. It's like, it's like. What was that so Eddie Murphy more... film, man, that recently came out? Dolomite? Yeah, Dol yeah, the, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen uh, it. The Netflix but thing. But yeah, it was the biopic. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I haven't seen it yet. <laughs> oh, you oh, is it good? It. Yeah, oh, I'm not, yeah. man, I don't want to watch it. <laughs> yeah. I'm yeah. not going to say anything about it, but, yeah. but uh, to your point, yeah. uh, Dolomite. Is a, is a good example of somebody that just went and made a film just, just went and yeah as you, a way you of just, learning you just like, you just go and make a film yeah. and it and it's like the th like it's called it's called uh, i've gotten in this debate so many times with people where they're like film isn't and maybe if anyone's listening they'll 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 be piqued by this but um i've always said that film is one of the few art forms that there are levels of it that can be critiqued objectively and not subjectively yeah. right whereas like a painting like you know like I, i'm not gonna argue like you can argue craft and skill and you know like like academically or whatever but i mean like a painting art is art or whatever but um i have always argued that film you can you can quote unquote make mistakes in film that don't improve it and aren't art and that you can't hide and that you know and 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 ruin the experience right yeah. and maybe not the entire movie but ruin a moment or something like that you get a wrong edit and you will know yeah. you know like if like if you're watching a movie and and there there's over the last hundred years we've we've created these rules of editing and stuck to them because they psychologically work on the human brain right and but there's other if you break those rules your audience will know and people people will be completely taken out of the movie and completely removed and so films this interesting art form where there's where there's talent involved and there's you know there's there's subjectivity involved but there's objectivity too right um you can light a scene wrong yeah, do you, yeah, know, do you know do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like like there's there's a whole lot of lot of gray room for creativity and, and, and style and like like all this stuff. But you can get to a point where This is not if an it's not your choice, if it's not like your intent, is. you're lighting it wrong. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah, know? Of course. You can you can make that wrong choice intentionally, but in the heart of in the deep heart of your soul, if you know you didn't do it on purpose, yeah. it's objectively wrong. Yeah. Um, so film as an art form is very interesting that way. Um, and so there, there, there's, there's talent involved, but there's people who don't necessarily know movies or love movies that can learn how to make a movie, you know, um, you might get some debate about how much heart there is in the movie in the end, but I mean, yeah, it depends on the, the creator. Yeah. Like, yeah, exactly. So, um, 
Well, I guess could you have bad music? I guess. Well, that's uh, what I was gonna say. Is Apocalypse like Now? Uh, yeah. Director of Apocalypse Now. Francis Ford Coppola. Coppola yeah. was listening to uh, like when he was editing. Yeah. Apparently, he was listening to a lot of uh, you know commercially released popular tracks. Yeah. Uh, by bands that we all know and that were ultimately in the score. Yeah. Um, but the him listening to this music affected his cutting of the film. Apparently. Had you yeah. ever heard? Oh yeah, I've like heard that? that. Like lots of lots of directors do that. Um, like using temp scores and stuff like that that they get way too attached to. And yeah, he ended up yeah. buying the rights to all these yeah. tunes. Yeah, yeah. I, I've definitely heard that before, and, and a lot because what happens is um, uh, it ends up biting filmmakers in the ass because they do these temp scores and they like it so much that they're like they just want to use those songs, and then they figure out how much it costs to yeah. to get those songs right. Yeah. Like I guarantee, in 1979, getting the end to open your movie and play half the song was not cheap. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. in those dollars, anyway. Um, but yeah, like I mean, um, like you're a music lover. Yeah. Like I mean, I've yeah. talked to you, and and as we've been going through this process, I've yeah. I can see that you have a very broad and interesting musical taste. And yeah. so, I how much so. has so. how much does that? aspect of yourself factor into your filmmaking like do you talking Music? about yeah talking about crossing disciplines and like i i think i think music affects every every film i've ever done um my 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 feature film which i shot like six years ago but is finally i can't say much but just getting out there hopefully crossing fingers right on, right. um but um when I conceived of that movie, I hadn't even written a full script. I had written, I'd written sort of a short version of it. So I had like, oh, I have this idea, and I wrote the script, but the script is only like 30 pages or whatever, right? Because it's like I didn't have all the characters. You know, it was just sort of situations and scenes you haven't. So I wrote this, these 30 pages. And before I even wrote the f full script, I was like, I want music to be the primary character of this movie yeah. right and like so and so the movie the movie's called synchronicity and it's you know it's about sort of the power of the 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 power the universe has to influence people's lives let's, let's put it that way um and so i was like so we have all these people all these characters that are going through these things and being influenced, but they're being influenced by the universe. So I was like, I want the music to, to be, be the, the voice of the universe, right? And and so and and that was how we went forward. And and with the producers, we had, I mean, they've, I mean, they've been great now. But we had some debates about about the the placement of the music because there were there were times where we had dialogue, and I was like, I want the music. To over the course of the scene, drown, Take over, like, like drown the dialogue out and yeah. stuff like that. And so there's a lot, there's a lot of debate about, you know, whether that was a good idea and marketable and stuff like that. And um, but like everything, everything's turned out great. And like, and it even I even put an overture at the beginning. So the first minute and a half of the movie is just a black screen with all the themes of the music. But so we go. So who did the score? Um, my friends uh, Tessa and Russell Jenison, the short films, they they like you, the movies you've seen of mine and Kitchener Sink and everything. They've scored everything I've ever done. Nice. So any nice. music you've ever heard, they are in great. Mine, they've done they're it. great. Yeah. yeah, yeah, they're they're incredible. 
Um, and so they did the music and, and I specifically instructed them. I was like, don't worry about drowning out the actors here. I want you to swell here and I want, you know, like this and that. But yeah, the movie opens up like this was one of the biggest fights I had in the movie where I was like, I want a minute to two minutes of just black screen and the music playing and it's literally an overture. And if you want, you can put the company credits at the beginning and the title of the movie, but I don't want cast. Did West Side Story do that? Did the West Side Story open with an overture like that? Um, originally in the theaters, I don't like. I think if you get it on DVD now or it whatever, I, strips, like, like right. I think it's all gone. But they had okay. an overture. Um, Apocalypse Now had an overture. Nice. Um, I believe Conan the Barbarian had an overture. Um, Star Trek the Motion Picture had an overture. Um, I love that. Yeah, I love. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and and like the thing is, it's like it's this it's this grand tradition of cinema, right? Yeah, I love and, that. Man. And like I just love it. And and there's all these like things about cinema that I just like I, I, I miss curtains in front of screens and you know like I miss uh, some time to smell the popcorn some time to smell yeah. the popcorn and stuff like that you know I, I, I yeah I, I miss I miss the little I miss the real change blips in the corner yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know um, but um, uh, but yeah so so we have like two minutes or a minute and a half of black screen and I said I want I want it to be an overture. So like we for each character there's a theme, and for the two main plot situations we have a theme. I want all those themes to interlap in in that two and a half minutes or one and a half minutes or whatever in that overture, because the the thing I had in my head was, um, what an overture does, and especially now because they just don't do it anymore. It says pay attention to the music, yeah. right. And, and it like, creates anticipation. And it right. creates anticipation, absolutely. And so I like I wanted this moment where people would just be listening to it and then hopefully like the like the melodies and all that to me are, are memorable enough that you hear them that once when they pop up later on in the movie, you remember hearing it, right? And so there's this hopefully there's this connection about how like the the score is like sort of the spine of of the movie and stuff like that. And the score has a um at like an opinion of what's going on or whatever you know yep. and um, instead of a score saying you should feel this way right now the score is saying i'm feeling this way right now <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, yeah, I like that. right yeah. yeah um so hopefully it works and and some people seem to like it so so that's good so the name of the uh film that you were referring to initially of my movie yes is synchronicity synchronicity yeah yes synchronicity yeah so where can i see that um you can't see it yet okay um it's um i'm not even sure how much i'm allowed to say um it's okay in, early, it's, days. It's, early it, days yeah it's in the okay. hands of sales agents i got you let's say yep. yeah um and uh <laughs> right on, right on. but uh yeah so yeah. What about so here? Here's the thing that that most that some people may not know about you. Am I drinking the beer way faster than you? No. 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 Okay. Um, uh, you're a sax player. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so sax so how good a sax player are you? Uh, well, I'm principally I would say Ooh, I'm a clarinetist. Oh, you're um, a clarinetist. Yeah, but I mean I'm a I'm a I'm a lifelong saxophonist and an, I'd say at an amateur level. A lifelong, um, a lifelong saxophonist at an amateur level. Yeah, meaning that I've not. Uh, I bet you're better than I am. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think I'm decent. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. 
You're decent. Yes. All right. You know, with the right amount of shedding, I'm I'm very capable. Right. So, are you going to play on this podcast one day? I uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, Actually, I, I wanted to talk to you eventually about doing a jazz jazz I, I at the Mystic. I don't know radio guys do the, the one the one on one off. I we used know. to do them like behind the head. Yeah. Like the top part, like yeah. 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 Anyway. <laughs> uh, you're good with it on, man. It's no, I just don't like the echo. That's all. Um, so sorry. Say that but again. yeah, I do want to yeah. play. Yeah, and yeah. I do want to invite other people in, and I'd like to just sit in here and there with random guests. Yeah, Val and, and Andy, if you're listening. Absolutely, yeah. man. No, really. Um, I want them to do a cover of "Girl from Ipanema." Girl from Ipanema. Yeah, with I their should, own yeah. stylistic. Uh, sort of a mo- how how would they do that for the modern audience? Right, but right. I mean they just uh, that that song that they have online. What's that called? Dorinda. Dorinda. Yeah. After your street. After of course. our street. Yes. Yeah. That's fabulous, man. Like yeah. I, and I was blown away when I heard the song. Yeah. Uh, but the subtitles were not there. And yeah. I'm yeah, yeah. not a Spanish language speaker. Yeah. I got a few words here and there, but yeah. when I saw what they were actually saying, man, yeah. oh my god. I know, it's like crazy. Their poetry right? is, yeah. is fantastic. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. It, they're they're a great they're a great team. They're so they remind so me of together. like uh that combination of Joe Beam's writing yeah. with Astrid Gilberto's vocal. Yeah. Like they remind me of those two individuals. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. So I think, yeah, I would like them to if they're if they're open to it to yeah. do a cover of uh, Girl from Ipanema Girl from Ipanema sure. because go. there's a of course a famous saxophone solo by Paul Desmond in that song yeah and I would like to do a yeah. solo do, with them do the solo here with them? Yeah. and do that here yeah that would be amazing if any if any like uh, people are listening let us know on our Facebook page or something if uh, you'd like to see some like events through the front window some bands playing maybe or um, or just come gawk at me and Charles right now if you're out there. Yeah, absolutely. Come on down. Yeah. I shouldn't say that. Isn't that how Eric Bogosian got killed? I think so. And <laughs> <laughs> so. fighting people down. Um, yeah. I think so. we're safe. I think we're <laughs> safe, too. Um, so what, what else do we want to talk about? One thing I'd like to get out there is that if anyone's listening and they know Dan Aykroyd, or if by any chance Dan Aykroyd's listening, we'd like to get in touch. Yes, indeed. Um, this place looks exactly like Ray's. Raise occult books, right? Seriously, go watch. Um, oh crap! I don't. Damn it. Um, go watch Ghostbusters two and check out Raise Occult Books because it looks exactly like what you're looking at right now. It looks like this place, and I think Dan Aykroyd's been here before. When we were over there, probably. But oh really? Wasn't the Mystic over there? Oh, before? in this place, yeah. yeah. Like to have come up with that set it's exactly the same yeah it's exactly i wonder where it was same. shot yeah. precisely like was that a set or was that an actual the outside looked like um, a location new york but yeah yeah um it, it was new set, york though. for sure yeah yeah absolutely both those movies are in new york yeah but um which reminds me for like some uh we do have some podcast shows planned and one of them I'm going to pitch myself here is Saturday nights, starting Saturday the 12th of September, is Mystic Movie Night. And we're going to watch public domain free movies that are weird 
and mystical, I guess. Indeed. And uh, I'm going to watch them with you, and we're going to hang out together, and uh, hopefully we're going to chat about how weird these crazy old public domain movies are. But some of them aren't that old. You'd be surprised. Um, and what do you what do you have... I think we we talked about this about three hours ago, but what do you? What are some of your plans for podcasts? For uh, podcasts? Yeah, Mystic London. So just yeah. um, mystical tales, uh, practices, individuals, disciplines, uh, all converging in the city of London, and we're just going to talk to people and explore uh, what's going on here. Because I think in the world it's unique. This place is unique, and I'm wor- I don't London? have this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I don't have it confirmed, but apparently I had heard um, that there is a, a significant convergence of ley lines in the city of London. Of which that I, I'm not even familiar with what you're talking well, about. Well, Mary and I are going to look into this because I I t- told her that I had heard this, and she said, "Yeah, she had heard this from somewhere too," hmm. but that there are like a grid of energy lines that travel throughout the planet and s- for s- whatever reason London is at a point where some of these major lines converge really yeah wow and then of course we're in this valley that is almost like some sort of a meteor impact area yeah and there are a lot of uh, sort of paranormal activities that are reported around here people that talk about a windigo yeah, I, I seem to see that a lot on like the old east village page and stuff people are seeing stuff yeah and i do think yeah. that there's something about london man uh so that's yeah. what we're going to be exploring right on, on. Uh, on cool. that podcast yeah cool. and then uh, mary and i are going to have another podcast called magic 101 uh, where yes. we'll, we'll be exploring um, the basics of things like ceremonial magic, uh, Wicca, uh, from the perspective of people that are at sort of at the outset of their journey, and then you can follow us as we learn and grow, and we can all do that together. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's what we got coming right up. Right on. Yeah. Right on. And then I'm gonna have uh, a show uh, called TV Channel 15 that is sort of like this one. Um, where I'm going to do whatever I want, but it's probably going to be a little weirder and a little crazier. We'll see what I come up with, but uh, I highly recommend uh, you watch that. Um, what did I say? Hilarious House of Frankenstein meets... Um, uh, it would be a Chuck the Security Guard Chuck from the Security CDTV. Guard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, those were good times. So I think I think we're going to duck out now. Does that sound indeed, good? Indeed. Um, it's to anyone who's actually listened to us. I Do we have a it? Gil Scott Heron? No, I would not have that. I would like to get it, but uh, I don't know. I'm going to go a little slower so you can see what we got going on here. I'm probably not going to surprise you with any of this. What's TVC 15? That's David Bowie. Yeah. You want to play that? Yeah. All right, we're going to take you out of here with uh, TVC15 by uh, David Bowie. And now you know my secret. My show, TV Channel 15, is based on David Bowie's song. Goodbye.